Hello and welcome to Murder on Her Mind. I'm Caitlin O'Malley and I'm your host of this podcast. Alright guys, happy Tuesday. I hope you're all having a wonderful start to your day or if you're listening to this in the evening or whenever you're listening to this. Um, my week so far has been good. Um, I haven't really been up to much. I've just been kind of like running around. I also just like ran from upstairs so... Um, I'm sorry if I sound out of breath. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of scary out there right now with everything that's going on with COVID. Um, it's uh, it's really not good. I think yesterday they just announced that there was like 20 deaths in like the last 24 hours. And not exactly what you really want to hear when you're working right in the public. It's, it's pretty scary, but... Besides that, it's okay. I'm really excited about December and, you know, I personally do think that the lockdown will be a good thing, but I'm hoping it's not going to be over December because I'm so bucked up and I'm so excited about that. And Christmas is just such like a fun time to work as well. Downtown and the whole like atmosphere and everything is just so great. So I'm really hoping that um, that won't be the case for us, but uh yeah that's that's really all that's been kind of going on just been working away chris and i went to a beautiful christmas market on sunday in a place called like millerville which is just this like tiny teeny community in like the southwest of calgary i guess um and it was all like all socially distanced you have to buy a ticket so there was only a couple of people allowed in at each time slot so our time slot was at 1 30 and we were there for like an hour and a half, which is pretty good. Um, and then Chris is like, the whole time he's like, oh yeah, no, like, I'm not gonna buy anything. I can't believe we're going shopping on a Sunday. And he left with like five bags of stuff and I only left with like one thing. So I'm trying to do like a no spend November just to really save up for like Christmas time. Um, so yeah, it, uh, it was beautiful there and the weather was gorgeous and I honestly I was talking to one of my friends this morning and I really cannot believe how like nice our weather has been like it's just insane for um Calgary in November to have this nice weather so um that's a big plus I guess so yeah um in today's episode I just want to give a warning that it is quite gruesome so just uh watch out for that um and if you do plan on watching the documentary that this episode is based on um prepare yourself because it's quite nasty and it's quite hard to believe that it actually happened too so um definitely uh watch out for that but it's a great episode and um i hope you enjoy it and i hope you're all having a wonderful day and yeah tune in again on thursday for the next episode bye bye guys here we are for episode 16 um i am going to be doing the horrific horrifying gruesome gripping most telling story i think ever and it's a it's a survival story so i will give you that i am going to give you a little bit of fair warning here it is quite gruesome probably one of the worst that i have ever read watched or heard um i almost had to turn off the tv during the um, one document documentary on this story so today i'm going to be doing the amazing survival story of alice and botha um 
it's just one of these stories I have posted like on my Facebook page that I'm part of asking what people's favorite survival stories were and literally 10 in a row were Allison and so I, I had to do it so I like googled it never heard of it in my whole life not much comes up on Google when you search up her name uh, regarding the story it's mostly just like news articles so a lot of this information I'm getting is based off of the documentary that I watched and I got it off this web page called Monsters as well. Um, what's really frustrating is when you do Google it, you find more information about her killers than her herself. There's no, um, you know, Wikipedia based on her side of the story. It's all to do on the murderer's side of the story, uh, which I think is quite shocking to be honest with you. But there you go. That's kind of the way it goes, I guess. Um, but I am I do want to let you know that it is quite gruesome so bear with me while I tell this and if you do have to fast forward that is completely understandable so we are going to be talking about Franz Dutoy and Thunes Kruger so um, they are from South Africa so I'm really sorry if I'm mispronouncing the names um, but Basically, they a little bit of like a background on the story before I get into detail. Um, these guys raped and tried to kill Allison. They stabbed her in the stomach enough that she was disemboweled. They sliced her throat 17 times to the point where they nearly decapitated her. And miraculously, she survived. This documentary that I watched, the documentary is called Allison. It is on Amazon Prime. It should be available everywhere if you have Amazon. Um, I mean, everywhere in the world. Um, in the first half hour of this documentary, the, hour, the documentary is only an hour long. And by the first 27 minutes, you are like, what the actual fuck? It just immediately gets right into detail. It's so well done. Um, the reenactment isn't like cringy to the point where you're like, this is shy, I want to turn it off. You're just so compelled by how on earth you have the courage to keep going. Um, so this is kind of the beginning of the story. So we're going to um, kind of keep going into it here. So these little fuckers, Franz and Kruger, were just already a recipe for disaster they have had many rape charges against them and unfortunately in the 90s in south africa uh, rape charges weren't taken so seriously so one of the first stories i read about these two little dicks um are so first of all franz is 26 and kruger was 19 at the time and these boys were no stranger to violent crime um, one of the first, was, I guess, crimes they committed was when they raped a 26, or sorry, yeah, I guess a 26-year-old um, in February of 1994. Um, and they surprised this uh, a 26-year-old student who was sitting in her car. Um, he had a gun to her head um, and told her to move over before sitting in the driver's seat. He drove to a secluded area and raped the woman. Then when he was done, he drove them to a cafe where he bought her food and a rose. He then drove to another location where he raped her again, 
He drove them back to the city and left her alive. She reported the the rape a week later when um, Franz was then arrested in March and released on bail. So this is just crazy that already this this is one of the first stories that come up when you hear this 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 guy was just let out on bail then after that on december 4th of 1994 only a few months later down the road this is just so crazy to me he approached a 21 year old woman who was three months pregnant at the time they threatened her with a gun and forced her to walk into a secluded area in the city where both men raped her these are the same two men by the way they originally threatened to kill her but decided to let her go she immediately reported the incident and both men were arrested that day. They were released on their own um, recognizance and ordered to return to the court on January 5th. They would go on to attack Alice and Botha less than two weeks fucking later. Like, can you believe that? So, so bad. So the prosecutor claimed that he wasn't aware that Franz had another rape charge pending. But there was major backlash that they were both they were even released on their own recognizes and rape in the case um others have claimed that authorities in south africa did not take rape charges seriously at least not back then and i really think this story of allison you know did kind of change all that so on december 17th in 1994 27 year old allison botha had spent the day at a beach with friends for everyone in northern hemisphere remember that december is southern hemisphere so that's the beginning of their summer so same thing with you know australia and everything like that when it's our winter it's um their summer usually which is so hard which is why you go away in the winter time in canada because everywhere else is warmer <laughs> um afterward they went back to both apartment ate pizza and played games allison was tall attractive and worked as an insurance broker at about one o'clock the following morning, Allison gave one of her friends a ride home and was looking forward to getting some sleep. When she arrived back at her apartment, she parked her car on the dimly lit street. So where she usually had parked her car, that spot was taken. So she had to park further down the road from where she usually parked. And, you know, that was kind of different for her. She thought it was quite strange. So um, she was planning to get out of her car and as she was reaching over to grab some clothes to coincide with her the driver's door swung open a young man with a knife said quote move over or i'll kill you so she did and the man got into the driver's seat and sped away the scrawny man told her his name was clinton but it was franz who abducted her he claimed that she needed to use her car for an hour and then he wasn't going to hurt her so in the documentary she says that okay like i'm just gonna remain calm i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna wait and see what happens this man is probably somewhat mentally unstable and just needs to use my car and i'm just gonna stay calm and that's that so um you know in that moment it's like what the hell do you do when you know you're sitting in the side of the car and this is happening and so anyways his story was that someone owed him money and that it wouldn't take long he eventually picked up another man kruger and that they drove to a secluded area of town 
Both men raped Alison before Fran strangled her until she passed out. They dragged her unconscious body from the car to the bushes on the side of the coastal road. It's just so, so heartbreaking. The story is literally so fucked up. So, Franz began stabbing Allison in the abdomen in hope of, quote, ruining her female organs. He stabbed her about 35 times, which is enough to make her intestines fall out of her body. Oh my god, it's so bad. So, so bad. When Kruger saw the woman's leg twitch, he grabbed a knife and then started slashing her throat open. Doctors said that Allison's throat was slashed no no less than seventeen times. It it it's just one of the most gruesome things I've ever heard of. Slashing her throat seventeen times. Unbeknownst to the pair of violent rapists, what Kruger had just done had ultimately saved the victim's life. When he'd strangled her, he crushed her windpipe, and then she was no longer getting air, so she was slowly dying. But when Kruger slashed her throat, he co- he cut open her airway and she was able to breathe again. Like, what are the fucking chances? These fuckers think they've killed her? And in fact, now they've just saved her life by slashing her windpipe open. Like, oh my god. Oh, I have goosebumps. Believing that they had killed her, they left. So after raping her multiple times, after slashing her throat, all these disgusting things... They left her to die on the side of the road. These are two people who obviously had an extreme hatred for women. They have a history of violence toward women already, and now while attempting to kill women, one of their targets was her abdomen in order to ruin her female organs. They had left Allison on the side of the road. They believed she was dead, and Fran wasn't trying to make her suffer by not being able to have children. He simply hated the part of her that made her a woman. So... It's not known how long until Alison regained consciousness, but she did regain consciousness. And as she woke up, she thought to herself, I might die. She can feel there's just blood pumping out of her neck. And, you know, she doesn't actually realize yet what's happened to her lower abdomen at all. She's just, she doesn't really feel pain the way she explained it. So... She thinks to herself, I might not survive this, but I'm going to try my best. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to write their two names down, which I'm like, how on earth, how on earth did you remember that? Like, or to think of that. So she writes down the two men's man's names and then she goes and then she writes, I love you, mom, on the side, which is just so, so sad. I remember seeing that and I was like, oh my God, this poor woman. She was like. If I don't survive, at least my body will be next to these names and people will gather it. So she wrote the name of the killers, the two men in the sand. So if she died, the police would have something to use to track down her killers. She saw the headlights in the road nearby. But when she tried to move, she realized that her organs had fallen out of her body. One of her attackers left a shirt behind and she was able to tie it around her stomach to help herself get together. So there's one point where she tries to stand up and it takes her a few times and um, she feels like soaking wet, you know, goopy stuff on her leg and she looks down and it's all her organs rubbing against her leg. Oh my god, I just can't imagine like 
what do you do? How do you not faint from just seeing that? Like, she was literally in what we call fight or flight mode. Like, she was in fight mode. She was like, I'm fucking getting these fuckers and they're going in jail. And I'm going to try to get to that road. And I'm going to try and survive. But this is not the worst part, guys. This is not the worst part. The next problem she faced was the fact that her muscles in her necks had been damaged due to being slashed over 17 times and made her un- unable to hold her head upright. Now, this part of the documentary, I'm not even kidding, I nearly screamed and my boyfriend was asleep next to me in bed. She stands up. She manages to stand up. At first, she started crawling. She's crawling while her organs are like being scraped along the floor, which just gave me the creeps. She then manages to stand up and her head flops completely back. She can just see the stars in the sky. She realizes that her neck is being completely severed to the point where the muscles couldn't actually hold up her neck. I, oh God, I'm getting so creeped out even right now talking about it. I, and what they do in the documentaries, which I thought is just so fucked up. In the documentary, they're doing it from the standpoint of her eyes. And next thing she stands up and her eyes just start rolling back, 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 back until she's staring at the sky. And then she explains, Allison's telling the story the whole time through the documentary, that her neck had been fucking severed to the point where she couldn't actually hold it upright. <laughs> so she could reach up and hold her head straight, but she let go. Her head would involuntarily flop backwards. So with one hand cradling her exposed intestines, exposed intestines, the other was holding her head straight. Allison slowly crawled to the bush, to the street, and laid across the white lines. And you know, in her head, she's she's thinking, "Is someone going to run me over? Is anyone even going to see me?" And um, you know, there was people who actually saw her at first. They and they just drove past. They were. They were just so creeped out and they were like, okay, let's just drive around. Pretend <laughs> we didn't see that. But fortunately for her, um, Tian, which is a guy who actually was studying to be a doctor at the time, saw her collapse on the road. They were amazed that she was still alive. Fortunately, one of them had a cell phone. And cell phones were not big then either. Like that was very uncommon for people to have a cell phone on hand at that time. So they knew they needed to get an ambulance there as fast as possible. Tian knew that he couldn't let the woman fall asleep, so continued to talk to her, telling her calmly to breathe. Which is just so I mean so like heartbreaking in that sense as well. Like he can tell he's like oh god i i need to keep this woman alive i think one of the crazy parts too about all this is they called an ambulance and he said to himself okay the maxis ambulance should be is like 20 minutes because they were out in the middle of nowhere by like um kind of like a country reserve like a forest reserve so um he just held onto her hand the whole time and kept talking to her um after an hour and 45 minutes, the ambulance finally arrived to take Allison to the hospital. And when the doctor is, because he was a doc, he's a doctor now, but um, when he's talking in the documentary, he was like, it's like when he they, when they put her into the ambulance, it's like she, her life didn't even matter. Like it was like they think she was going to die. When really and truly she's been like this for like the last 
like what three hours and she's still alive so fucking don't give up and he was really angered by that and he held onto her hand the whole entire time from the time he pulled over through the ambulance the only time he let go of her hand was when she had to go in for surgery which i just thought was so amazing this young guy who was wanting to be a doctor he's in medical school and this is his first real life experience of what it's like to save someone's life and to be there for them to be a hero um and i just thought that was such a touching part of the documentary and you know she literally was saying that he's he was her knight in charming armor which i'm like it's so amazing i love i love that so at port elizabeth provincial hospital allison was rushed to surgery dr voladia described her condition as she entered the hospital quote she was filthy black as a coal miner her entire body was covered in a fine layer of black sand her eyes were hemorrhaged so that was one of the things too that the doctor said when he pulled her over on the side of the road when he pulled over on the side of the road when she opened her eyes they were completely red and it kind of freaked him out like he was very like scared from that i guess so her hair was matted with sand twigs and leaves and dry blood her knees were cut and scraped her feet lacerated and her fingernails were black allison's intestines were washed in a saline solution before having any punctures stitched and placing them back into inside her body so one thing i wanted to add into the story is the doctor who got or the surgeon who was working with allison um he was looking at her neck and like she had a blanket covering her and he's looking at her neck and he's like thinking to himself, like how on earth am i going to be able to like fix this this is so so damaged and so scary so one of the nurses goes you need to pull down the blanket that's not the rest of it and when he saw her intestines covered in that sand and dirt and twigs and everything she'd just been scraping her intestines along the ground until she got to the road it took her a long long time um it was just so crazy to me that um he could fix that you know and um he literally said so delicately he had to scrub and clean and make sure everything's fine and there was still a major risk for infection at that point too so even if she did survive this how would her body recover internally so um so Allison would go on to make a full recovery though many were unsure she would ever be able to have children so one of the doctors in the hospital told her outright that you know you're probably not gonna be able to have children because of how badly her lower abdomen was um damaged and stabbed so while still in the hospital Allison picked uh, Toy and Kruger out of the police binder full of mugshots they were both arrested at five o'clock in the morning on December 19th Kruger was interviewed first when he had told her he was being charged with rape and attempted murder. He was shocked. At the time, they believed that they had killed Alison Boda, but Detective Humpel let him know that she had survived. Kruger gave the detective a knife he used to attack Alison jewelry that he had taken off her body. He then made a full confession to the attack of raping a pregnant woman. Um, which is just, you know crazy to me that this was actually happening like at the time like i really i really cannot believe it and um 
And one thing too that I also would like to add to the story is when she was in hospital, she had almost like a breathing tube inside of her neck after the surgery for recovery. And she was able to point them out. But in order for this to stand in court, she needed to be able to say the names. And the doctor who had just worked for hours on end on the surgery, um, I think it was something crazy. Like he was in there for like 13 or 14 hours or something ridiculous. Just <laughs> insane to me. Um, he he was saying to the police officers like no like if, if I take this out there's a chance that she might die that she's not going to be able to speak like do you really want to take this risk and they're like well we need to know for sure that these are the people and that she can actually say their names because it only showed them the names of the of the boys not not or sorry it only showed their faces not their names and Allison wanted to take that risk she wrote it on paper she wanted to say that she could do it so Sure enough, the doctor takes out the breathing tube and the first thing she says is the two men's names. She just immediately, like, I just think one minute after the other, this woman is just so courageous and so strong and she does not care how hard she has to work. She just wants to get these fuckers in jail and let the public know. And the fact that these guys had already had issues in the past of raping women and hurting them and you know claiming it was satanic panic and that there was a devil taking over them like it's just beyond me that these guys were still allowed to walk the streets so um he also confessed the rape and attempted murder of murder of allison detective humple said they showed no remorse and explained that they were going to find another girl the next day they would have raped and thrown off a bridge so sad the media went wild over the story but especially when uh, Dwight claimed his actions were a result of involvement with satanism he claimed that he had been possessed by a demon and it was the demon who wanted to rape and murder women he claimed that he had since undergone an exorcism both Franz and Thunes were found guilty on all charges two counts of abductions and two counts of and decent assault two counts of rape and one count of attempted murder and one count of robbery with aggravating circumstances they were charged for both allison and the pregnant woman so france was given three life sentences and thrunes was given one life sentence plus 25 years the judge asked that a note be placed in both their files but the authorities know that the judge wanted them to remain in prison for the rest of their lives which is exactly where they should be. Except in 2012, the new legislation would grant parole for prisoners who were sentenced before 24, uh, sorry, 2004 had already served 13 years and four months in their sentence. Their parole was received and Alison Botha made a statement um, and many, many people signed a petition to keep them locked up. Fortunately, there is no information online claiming that there was granted parole and that most recent news articles that I could find that, you know, um, had anything to say if they were eligible for parole, but I don't think they will be. But the fact that these little fuckers tried to get parole is like, no, sorry, I hope you're never allowed to walk the streets again. Um, and another kind of interesting part of the story was that um, Franz actually had um, 
a girlfriend that he had met online through Facebook with an American girl. And so this American woman, um, her mother contacted Allison, asking Allison to help for them so he could leave jail and that his girlfriend could, you know, be at one together in life. Which I just thought was fucking ridiculous. He actually, she actually contacted Allison, who had been raped, attempted to be murdered by these men, and this woman is like trying to hook her daughter up with this fucking psycho in jail. And the fact that like he had access to like, you know, the online side of things, like it, it's just insane to me. Um, and. Uh, he really wanted to be interviewed in this documentary as well, the Allison documentary. And he also asked that if he was in it, could he get a portion of the money that she was getting from all these books and all these interviews and just what a fucking character, you know? Like, I just, I really could not believe that that was the case. He was trying to, like, get all this money out of these, these, this poor woman. Um, and yeah, so in 2015, they were trying to get parole. This documentary came out in 2018, and we're now in 2020. And um, I really hope that they will be staying in jail um, for the rest of their lives. But Allison eventually went on to she moved in with her mother because her mother needed to like look after her and she had still like a lot of like wounds and stuff that needed to be healed and dressed and all that stuff so um she did move in back with her mother and everything so um that was a i think good for the both of them um but she went on to do lots of um traveling all, all over the world to do talk shows about surviving and the willpower it took and mentally and physically what a toll it took on her but how much of a fighter and a survivor she was um now i need to like mention again this woman literally had her throat severed and slashed open 17 times to the point where her head could not stand or her neck could not hold her head up by itself then to the fact of you know her lower abdomen her intestines hanging out that she would never have kids she went on to have two children by herself you know there is no excessive treatment that she had to go under in order to get pregnant she fell pregnant very easily and with her second kid the doctor who delivered her child was the doctor who pulled over on the side of the road to help her which i thought was such a touching part of the story that he was there for one of the most heroic terrifying moments of her life to then a moment in her life of just pure joy and happiness and he held her hand through the whole entire thing and i just thought that was a nice way to kind of like end this episode with something positive that had happened um with allison and her two boys are very very healthy and in the end of the documentary too it's really sweet she individually goes in and surprises each person who went in for the interview so her friends um i believe the the main detective or the police officer the doctor the surgeon um you know just all these people and 
I love how the people who ran this documentary declined the offer of this man wanting to come in. They're like, no, you don't get to. You know, whereas most people will be like, oh no no, we want we want the killers in the documentary. We want the survivor and we want the killer. Like, let's get him in. But he wanted to be on there all for fame, right? And it was just kind of a disgusting way to do it. But that is the amazing survival story of Allison. Um like I said, there is a documentary on Netflix called Allison. You can also um, find the I think uh, some of some of her talk shows that she was on and um, stuff on YouTube. So you'll have to check that out too. It's absolutely amazing. She's such a fantastic woman to have survived that. Um, but anyways, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, um, and also you can follow me on Instagram. Um, murder on her mind podcast so i hope you enjoy and happy tuesday bye bye